Welcome to Episode 4 of The Drift, a Starfinder podcast, which is presented by NerdsOnEarth.com. This week, we are joined by Steve Glicker, who shares with us what he learned at PaizoCon and his experience of playing Starfinder there. Well, welcome today, everybody, to The Drift, and today we have a very special guest, Stephen Glicker, is joining us, and um, he uh, is a longtime gamer. Uh, you may know him on the various social media platforms as Gaming Steve, uh, but he's in here especially today to sort of talk about Starfinder and what he's learned about it, uh, especially because he was at PaizoCon, so welcome, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here. And talk about uh, Starfinder. Yeah, well, give us a little bit of background. Tell us, um, how long have you been into role-playing games? What are some of your favorites? I'd love to sort of hear a little bit of your origin story. Oh, my God. So, I actually started D&D back in the day when I bought it. I think it was even, I can't remember if it was Redbox or not, but this is all I have to tell you is that there was no dice in the box. You actually had to cut out little chits and put them in a cup, and that's how you rolled the d20. So you, Oh, you, wow. Yeah, that's like the before there were dice. So that's how long <laughs> I've been playing role-playing games. And pretty much started you know, with D&D and tried out some of the alternatives back then, like Boot Hill and Top Secret and Traveler. Traveler was like one of my favorite ones, which you know, kind of leads into this. And that was pretty popular. Like The two most popular ones, I'd say, were uh, D&D Classic and then um, Traveler. And then I kind of got out of it you know, for second edition and even third. And then when 3.5 came around, I actually started to play again and got into it pretty heavy, doing mostly the adventure paths. I actually did Age of Worms, and I DM. I always DM. I, I very rarely play. Um, okay. And then, you know, I, I played fourth edition, actually all the way to 20th level, and I play a little bit of fifth, but, you know, Pathfinder is my bread and butter. And I, you know, I still DM it twice a week. I'm currently DMing Iron Gods, we're up to book four, and Strange Eons, book one. And I do um, Pathfinder Society as well. And I DM a lot of uh, conventions. So, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So you definitely are a Pathfinder guy. It seems like you've been kind of in that lane. So it's not surprising that you're into Starfinder. So. Um, so you had the chance to go to PaizoCon, which as we speak was just last weekend. Um, tell me what, uh, what drew you to go there? Like, what was the experience like in general? Maybe we've got people that are thinking about going next year. Sure. I mean, I'm like an old hat. I've been to Gen Con and E3 and GDC and pretty much you know, New York Comic Con, San Diego, all the cons. And the best thing I would say about this one is, is that it's really small and intimate back in like the 80s and 90s when I was a kid I, when I would go to these cons this is what they were all like you would go yeah. to a hotel it would just be a couple hundred maybe a thousand people at most and it would just like be a small intimate convention and that's what PaizoCon is like which is awesome because those just really don't exist anymore for better or for worse um, I never thought I'd think of the day where I wished the conventions were smaller but you know and I and I've been going to all the you know Gen Con uh, I love going to Gen Con. It's probably my favorite convention of all. But I also love Pathfinder. And usually the holiday weekend is bad for me. But for whatever reason, the kids were busy. My wife was busy. And I saw a free weekend. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go to PaizoCon this year. And I, I got a ticket like 
I think like two days before the con and just jumped on a plane and went to Seattle. So that's awesome. So you showed up and I, obviously you got to game some and from what we hear, sort of the hit of the con was Starfinder and sort of the announcements coming out about that and around that. So tell me a little bit about what did you get to see and experience of the game um, that you can share with us that maybe would uh, pique our, our audience's interest? All right. Well, this will probably take a bit of time, but I would say the easiest thing to say is that um, it, it's very, if you know Pathfinder, you'll know how to play this. That's that's really the thing I would say and take away from this is that um, it's very similar, but it's very different in many surprising ways. So the first thing I'll just back up is that I actually tried... When you go into PaizoCon, you actually have to sign up for events. Right. And they have a crazy lottery system uh, where you just put in sort of what you think you want. And, you know, there's 100 events and you get like three. So, of course, I imagine everyone put in Starfinder. I tried, but I didn't get into any Starfinder events. I, I was a little disappointed, but I figured, you know what? I'll just show up. It was Saturday morning. I figured there was two games of Starfinder that were going on in the rooms next to each other. I'll just show up, and maybe I could just jump into a game. So I show up at like 7.30 in the morning because these games start early. Wow. And sure enough, there's, yeah, <laughs> you got to be dedicated to play the play RPGs, man. So you know, like I'm sitting here getting up at like 7 in the morning. Like I'm getting up at 7 in the morning to play a role-playing game. So, you know, head down. And one of the rooms was semi-filled and one was completely empty. And I walk in, and it's actually Owen Stevens who's the DM. And he's one of the leads on Starfinder. And uh, he was actually running the Emerald Spire, the Emerald Star Spire, which is basically he took the Emerald Spire dungeon and turned it into Starfinder. Okay. And he does this at Um I came up to him and asked him if there'd be room. He said there probably wouldn't. But then he says, hey, while you're waiting, do you want to check out the rule booklet? Oh, and nice. I was like, I know. And I'm like, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so he hands me the book. If you look on Jason Bullman's, Bullman's um uh, Twitter feed, yeah. he put a picture of it, and that's actually the same one that I saw. So it was like a black and white spiral bound. It had about 70% of the rules. It didn't have character creation. It did not have starships, because people have asked me about that, so I don't know anything about the starships. Yeah. It also was missing some of the Pathfinder conversions. It really just had sort of, I'd say, the core rules for PaizoCon, which was, which was a lot. It was still about 70%. And so for basically about half an hour, I got to flip through it and talk to Owen one-on-one because the people that were supposed to show up for that game got lost. Uh. And it took them a good half hour to find the room. So I just got one-on-one time with him and just picked his brain like crazy. Um, I can go through. I have lots of notes. (laughs) Well, so as you... you I'm sure you, you didn't get to play that morning, but uh, did you get to stick around and watch people play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to stick around and watch them. Okay. And um, it's, as I said, it's it's just very similar to Pathfinder, but it's in many ways easier, like in, in some ways. When I was talking to Owen, one of the things he said, this was his sixth um, his sixth uh, game that he's designed. He said he learned a lot from Star Wars, which was... You can actually, when you see it, you'll see, if you know the Star Wars system, there is a couple similarities. Okay. And they figured out how to make a, 
a game that was fast and fun and not insane. And they even said that, like, I'd say put it this way. I, I consider Pathfinder almost like having a PhD. Like, you really <laughs> need to know everything. Sure. This is like having a master's or maybe even a bachelor's. Like, it, trust me, it's still complex, but it's nothing compared to, to Pathfinder in complexity. Yeah, and that's really interesting because that's been one of our working theories is part of what they were going to do with Starfinder as a company is that Paizo was going to create a simpler rule system that uh, would maybe appeal a little bit broader than, I mean, you're right. If you go deep in Pathfinder, it's, um, it's deep, complex. There are lots of rules to know and to understand. So uh, it's good to hear in some ways they're trying to make the game a little bit more accessible. Yeah. I mean, he actually told me when I was talking to Owen about like when he was talking about the design principles is that they took out a lot of rules that were extremely rare or never used. They're just, they're just gone. They just took them out. And it's not, it's not that you can't do them. It's just like, you know, they might have the, you know, as a GM, you would just have to know how to handle it and just sort of do it on the fly. And they also even simplified some of the more, you know, basic rules. I'll give you a whole bunch of examples. Um, for example, five foot step is gone. That's just gone. Ah. So yes, now there's just I guess moving standard action. Um, attack of opportunities exist, but only three things do it, and that's it: um, leaving a square, casting a spell, or attacking using a ranged weapon. Okay, that's the list. So it's no more of that huge chart, you know. Um, what else do we have? Combat maneuvers are just part of combat. So, like, if you actually want to do, like, a bull rush, it's like a normal attack, but you have to, you know, add, like, you know, their, their DC is, like, plus four or plus six or something. So they just, you know, they just take the rules and take the standard attack actions and just sort of modify them for special actions. So that was a big part of what he said is that they did. They just tried to make it really fast and straightforward. So one of the things we've heard about is that the, there will be a two armor class system. Right. Did you did you get to see any of that? Yes, definitely. So this was this came up a ton. So there's a few things. Touch AC is totally gone. That's gone. So there's stamina points. There's uh, hit points and then resolve points. And the way it works is the stamina points come off first. And then your hit points come off, and when you go to zero, you're dead. Uh, I, I wasn't sure about stabilization. We didn't get that far. Yeah, so there, yeah, there's been a talk about there's a sort of a balancing act that a character will have to do as a player. Um, you can use your, your, like you said, your stamina points, your resolve points, and, and trying to keep a balance there so that you don't go too far one way or the other and make yourself vulnerable in some way. So that, that's interesting to hear. That I think that definitely brings a different kind of dynamic into into the game yeah a lot of people liked it i mean it's funny you, you don't think about it it's like you can have 100 hit points and you go down to like you know 20 left and you're like oh whatever but people once they lost one you know they lost all their stamina points and they're going to their hit points it's mentally i don't know it's mentally difficult to think oh my god i'm losing hit points now i'm going to die and people really were stressed when they were starting to lose hit points and you know because those aren't coming back anytime soon but yeah it's it's definitely a different way of thinking it's obviously completely different it's easy to pick up on but very different than pathfinder and um Thematically, i think i liked it a lot more and a lot of people were saying that it was always hard to 
picture in your mind what hit points represented. But stamina is almost like you're getting hit, you know, your armor's getting hit, and you're getting tired, and then you start actually getting hit and you're bleeding. And even mentally, you know, in your mind's eye, it's just nicer to have this. So you feel like if you're down to only two hit points left, you're just bleeding out all over the place and you're cut and bruised and you're almost dead. But yet, you still have your full stamina points and you can keep going. So Okay, yeah, that definitely... I can see where that will will definitely have an impact in terms of how people approach their characters, how they play them. You know, are you going to be reckless? Or are you going to be safe? Or are you going to be the balance in between? Yeah, I will say your hip, your armor classes were low too. Like, um, if you saw the the female, the soldier, and we'll get into that in a sec. I guess is that there's two now types of armor classes. Their energy armor class was 14 and kinetic armor class is 16. And that's the tank to give you an idea of like, that's kind of low for an armor class, even a level one. Yeah. So I mean, I would think hit. you're going to get hit a fair amount then. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to get hit. Uh, that, that was happening a lot. Like you definitely, you're going to get hit. I mean, you hit them too, but there's definitely a lot of firefights. And because of this and because everyone can heal themselves and that was another big aspect which you know kind of harkens back to fourth edition where suddenly it's like finally everyone can take care of their own healing with their own resolve points i guess the designers felt they were a lot more freer with the damage because it is not reliant on just one person doing all the healing even at level one which is nice yeah that does make sense yeah so i can talk about some of the other uh changes if you wish yeah sure uh, or things that i'm just looking through my notes i was furiously texting all my friends back <laughs> home because they were like what's going on what's going on um so weapons they crit on a 20 there's no confirm again to speed up combat okay yeah i think i think fourth edition did the same thing it feels a little fourth edition which worries some people i've heard but trust me it's they took all the good parts if that makes sense okay um there's everything I think is a times I think everything was times two. I didn't see any other times threes or something on the tables. But weapons now have what's called specials. And when they crit, they do special abilities. And that was the big difference. Ah. Is that yeah, so it's like they all do times two damage. I think I, I, that I'm ninety percent sure. Everything I'm saying I'm like ninety nine percent sure on. Sure, yeah. So just keep that in mind because a lot of this is just notes and what I could read in an hour of a you know three hundred plus rule booklet and playing once. Um, so they had special rules and then you would have to roll like a secondary effect. Um, there were some other pretty cool things. Is that the equipment has levels? So all the equipment had levels one through twenty. I asked them if that mattered, like, could you equip something out of your level? And they said, sure, but it, the level is there more to give you an idea of balance. So, you know, can a level one player have a level 20, you know, blaster? And the answer was, yeah, you could. The same way you could have a plus, you know, five Vorpal Sword, but they don't recommend it. And, right. you know, and they kind of have that for balance. Well, that, that's really interesting because that is definitely a dynamic feels like they took from so like that's a video game dynamic right like you see that all the time in games like uh borderlands jumps to mind like you're constantly sort of upgrading your guns and and making them different more powerful uh so that that's interesting to see i could definitely see if you're really into the technical parts of the game that's probably going to be a fun part to play with and also i think it's good for the levels of the weapons because you know, when things with newbies or people that are probably, you know, trying to get into the game hobby, 
you know, a plus one, you know, flaming sword, is that better than a plus three long sword? You're like, I don't know. Because, right. you know, you don't know the pluses with flaming. Is that a plus one, plus two? People don't know. And unless you're, you know, again, here's like the PhD part of the game. But here it's like, okay, I got a level five rifle and I got a level seven rifle. I want the level seven rifle. So, <laughs> you know, that's going to help. I mean, these are sort of the things they use to simplify the game. But not simplify it in a bad way. I think simplify it in a way that makes it more accessible, which is the, the nice difference, I think, between this and some other game systems I won't mention. Um, the equipment has levels. Um, I would say there was a lot of equipment. So that's one thing. The number of melee weapons was quite extensive. The number of guns was insane. It was hundreds and hundreds of guns oh, wow. were just in the basic rules. There was I think I think it was it was either six or eight pages. It was a lot of pages of guns. Um there's different types. There was like the light handgun there was the light guns. There was sniper rifles, heavy rifles. I think there was like, you know, uh, missile type you know, mission rifles. They had chainsaws and they had everything. There was it was pretty nuts. And then uh, for the pricing, I remember this. The cheapest item they used credits was about 300 credits, but then the most expensive level 20 rifle, or it was like a missile launcher, nuclear tactical missile launcher, was a million credits to buy. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> give you an idea of, of the time. It was pretty crazy. The pricing was getting out of control in that thing. But I imagine if you're buying starships, you're going to be having a lot of credits. Yeah. In this game. Well, so, and it sounds like I heard one of the. So, one of the long-term tropes in role-playing games and fantasies is you know can you carry all the gold you find all the copper all that so okay i so that's actually interesting i can actually answer that so they have a system of um and how they do encumbrance is they kind of got rid of encumbrance okay i don't know if anyone's talked about this yet so they have a system of where guns take up i forgot what they called it i think it was like space or slot it was it, it was something to the effect of space okay so a gun will have like a, a space of one, and your character maybe can hold six slots of space. So some guns and rifles and smaller arms would have a slot of one, some have two, some have three, some have four. So, you know, soldiers can hold way more than, say, like the Technomage. Um, okay. Or Technomancer, I forgot what the exact term, but you know what I meant. So, so, you know, depending on your class, you can hold more. He said that you can hold up to double. Owen said you can hold up to double. If you went past your allotment, you were slowed down. I think then you were encumbered, and there was penalties for encumbrance, obviously skill rolls and such, like the regular game. But it was a very simple system. You know, encumbrance rules, he said, pretty much are just gone. It's just like you have six slots. Here's the equipment. Here's how much they take. Do what you want. You know, you can take six or up to 12 slots worth of equipment. You figure it out. And you then have to decide if you want to carry lots of little weapons on you or just a couple of really big ones. And that was it. It seemed, you know, again, really simple. It sort of, you don't have to worry about, um, you know, how much this, like, healing potion weighs and how much this gear weighs and so much. That just was sort of gone. It just sort of was assumed as part of your your character yeah and again it sounds like they're trying to simplify that part to make it easier for people i mean i, I think that's a pretty easy way to look at it and go okay i know what my numbers are you know what can i carry what can i do easily yeah so that that was there obviously the bigger the weapons the the higher the slots 
Um, he had a couple of other things. Reloading is a move action. A lot of people have questions because people are like, well, isn't everyone using guns? Well, yes, you are. Actually, there's a lot of guns. But reloading is a move action. Turning on a weapon is a swift action, So, and that's melee weapons. Okay. So those are much faster. Um, uh, what else? Um, you can shoot into combat. There's no negatives. So that's all. That's just gone. Like, you just shoot. No one has any negatives pretty much ever. I mean, you can have cover, but, you know, the whole rule of, oh, I'm shooting past this person and they're in combat and doing this, gone. You know, you just shoot your gun. Just do it, yeah. Like, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, everyone, oh, here's another one. Everyone could attack twice at level one. Everyone. Uh. Period. It's a full round action to attack twice. Or a standard action to attack once. And that's just starts. Some characters and classes, as they level up, can get more attacks. They can get up to three or four. I don't know if it goes past four. Owen said up to four. But he said, you know, those are obviously part of the class abilities. I, I imagine Soldier. Um, Soldier really was used a lot in a lot of examples because I guess it's the simplest one compared to some of the others. Um, you know, they eventually would be able to attack more often. Um, but some weapons are just there's a there's a thing called unwieldy which is the weapons are so hard to use that you can only attack once with that weapon period no matter how many attacks you have so that's even like now part of weapon stats is how many times you could attack with a specific weapon which of course is new well and that yeah and so then you assume those guns must be pretty powerful too right it's a it's a balance out mm -hmm. mechanism yeah and they also said that is that um Something else is, is uh, to balance it out, because I asked him, why wouldn't everyone just use ranged? Why not just all melee, all, sorry, all, all ranged all the time? He said, well, melee weapons, you turn on as a swift action. You just have them. Uh, you could attack with them. And this actually, if you, anyone plays Iron Gods, a lot of the rules from Iron Gods, uh, a lot of the weapons and equipment is actually in this game. Uh, so... And I'll explain that more in a second, but there's tons, tons of tons of Iron God type of of uh, of weapons and uh, me mechanisms are in the game. Um, so, for example, if you turn on a weapon and it's a melee weapon, you can use it on one battery charge, uh, one piece of ammo in a way for like an hour. Okay. So, like you have a chainsaw, you turn it on and it's good for an hour. Your weapon might have ten charges, and for your battery, you fire it at ten times you're done. The battery is now gone. And you can only carry a limited number of batteries with you, and you can only recharge batteries on your ship or your city, a.k.a. a long rest. Ah. So you do have a limited number of shots that you can use per day. I do imagine that might become a little headachy. Is finally Everyone's finally going to actually have to do ammo tracking <laughs> yeah. uh, for real because it matters. But it didn't look like anyone... You couldn't have like 50... It wasn't like, oh, I have 50 ammo. Like, it was more like I have six, you know, for this gun, or I have 10. It was low amounts. Okay. And some guns use more than one piece of ammo. So some guns used up to four pieces of ammo, like right, like uh, rocket launchers. And stuff. Ah, okay. So you can only use it like four times, and then you're done with Your batteries are gone for the whole day, and then you're, you're up to melee. So, again, they seem to do a pretty good job with balance. You know, we didn't play that level of, you know, craziness, but, you know, just talking him out, he said, you know, that they tested it pretty thoroughly to make sure that there was a, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm walking around with a, you know, grenade or whatever, you know, a missile launcher and just blowing everyone up constantly. It's like there are limited limits to how often you can do that. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to to balance the game, to make it um, – you can be strong if you want to, but only with limited times. And uh, I think it will create probably what Pathfinder is known for most, right, is strategy. And so this was a, another way to create a game that maybe has a simpler base rule set, but that still is going to value strategy. Yeah, they definitely – it definitely was, I mean, it always had the strategic aspect, and if anything, I felt this was even more strategic, because you didn't have to worry about all the little nitpicky things, like thinking about, okay, wait, is this an attack of opportunity? Is this, I'm pulling out, I'm reloading, what does that take? Right. Well, reloading is a move action, period, end of story. It doesn't provoke, now you know, forever. You know, It's very simple to use. Um and a few other things, spells, again, the spells, uh, they don't have components anymore. That's gone. So you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, spells also only go up to level six. Yeah, and they've, they've talked some about that as a, as a reality that they wanted to do. Um, I, I was curious to think, like, so then as characters advance higher in levels, it's going to be interesting to see how do you get more powerful. I think because they made it so that everyone could use weapons it wasn't like, oh, I'm the wizard and I'm stuck with a dagger. It's like, oh, I'm a wizard, but I still got a blaster and I can still shoot you. Okay. You know, you know, I still have light weapons and they might not be as great as the missile launcher, but I can still do damage. And that's kind of how it looks like from what I can tell. They balanced it out. Um, you know, they still are in the back. They still have lighter armor, but... You know, of course, they're also casting spells. So it's, you know, again, it just seems to be, I would almost say, like, Pathfinder is long and deep in the sense that, like, you know, wizards start off really weak, but then get crazy powerful. Sure, yeah. And fighters, unless, you know, if you, unless you build them perfectly, are the exact opposite. Here, it looks like everyone starts off a little bit more level. And it's not that by 20th level you know, the the pure fighter is going to be more powerful than the magic user. They're just going to be, a, you know, the, the fighter, I think, even can use magic in some cases. And the, you know, wizard can use weapons. Again, not the best weapons, and the, and the soldier can't use the best magic, but they each can do a little bit of each other. Um, and that, again, it's sort of a nice balance to the game, so you don't feel like you're locked into one class and one ability and you have to play this one way constantly yeah it doesn't doesn't hold you kind of into to one road or one path you can kind of deviate go different directions at different times i think i think that's probably a good dynamic for sure so obviously at the con did you did you ever get to play any uh starfinder yeah so what ended up happening was i didn't get in i waited around eventually they showed up I stuck around. I actually listened to him explain the game to everybody, so then I got to pick up you know, more of this information. And they actually probably had room, but it was kind of small. There were six people in it, and I was standing for about an hour at that point <laughs> reading the rules. And actually, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on the game, and I, you know, I didn't want to butt in on these guys, so I just stuck around and watched them play. And, you know, it played, again, it was like pretty much like uh, Pathfinder. You just, you know, you it, you have a standard plus to hit. You roll your damage. Um, he would determine. They didn't really go crazy with explaining the rules um, in the sense that, you know, he wouldn't tell you. He would just say, okay, he hit and didn't hit. He didn't, you know, go into too much details of like... Um, 
what type of you know damage was going up against what just okay. to pretty much move the game along. He wasn't going to the nitty gritty, and they were doing that on the Delve too. They said on the Delve, if we need to explain it to you, we will, because I guess they could have been there all day, you know, easily for you know, 20 minutes just explaining how the game works and they just wanted people to play as fast as possible. Sure, that makes sense so, for event yeah. like that. So, again, I mean, if you know how to play Pathfinder, you would just think, oh, it's Pathfinder with uh, space weapons. You wouldn't even think it was that different. You might hear weird things like stamina points and, you know, EAC and KAC, uh, which are the two armor classes. But other than that, you have fort saves, will saves, reflex saves, you know, the same types of damages. You have initiative. You have the same stats. You have mostly the same skills. You have feats. You have low light, you know, vision. It's, you know, again, it's, it's you know, you would think it's just a wacky version of Pathfinder if you weren't paying attention. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty um, it went cool. fast though yeah it went very fast which is nice uh and these guys were like level it was a level seven of the dungeon i don't know i think they were like level five or six okay. um, of characters so they were playing higher level pre-gens um so it would even at that level and even when these guys sitting down cold it still went pretty fast which was nice to see so one of the things you said is that it it reminded you and feels very similar to iron gods the Adventure Path. I know you've said you're DMing right now. So, what what parts of it sort of stuck to you as being compatible, and um, what did you think you saw that carried forward from Iron Gods into Starfinder? Well, there's a few. The um, inside uh, Iron Gods, and this might be if anyone's playing it. This is a sort of spoiler. Just warning you if you're very early in the game. If you're if you're farther, it's not a spoiler. They use a leveling system for everything in Iron Gods, where things aren't plus one, plus two, they actually use brown, black, white, gray, green, red, blue, orange, prismatic. Okay. So a black item is above a brown item, and so forth, and a gray. It's kind of like belts in Kung Fu, if you will. And prismatic is like the, you know, the ultimate. Well, they use that exact same system in uh, Starfinder. Though that's that's how they the equipment was labeled. That the best equipment was prismatic. You know, they had the green, they had the red. Uh, so there was no like plus one weapons. It would be like, oh, I have a green, you know, laser blaster instead of uh, and no instead of a gray one. Okay. So that's how it would go up, and that's that's prevalent throughout all of Iron Gods. So it was also it's a nice easy way to add um, multiple levels to anything. You know, like in Iron Gods, they do this by just taking, okay, here's Vmog. It's these goggles that you can wear in Iron Gods that change your eyesight. And each color does something slightly different, and it increases in price. So you have one item subdivided into, what's that, nine nine subdivisions. They did that throughout, from what I could tell okay. um, when I was flipping through the items. So it allows you to have one item with nine uses. Which is great, you know. That's yeah, a real, yeah, another definitely. way to, yeah, to really expand upon the rules without taking up. I think it mostly has to do with space, because now suddenly you have one item that you can use from level one to level twenty. It doesn't take up a lot of space in the rule book, which is always a big deal because they have word count. And it, you know, I think they learned when they did the Desiring Gods, like, wow, this is adding a ton of utility. We don't have to have ten different types of goggles. We could have one goggle with nine uses. Right, and just keep upgrading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's smart. And they, they, yeah, and they did that with everything, from what I can tell. Um, 
What else? Obviously, the androids. Androids is a big deal in Iron Gods. They actually go through uh, like how they build the class and it's uh, of the race. And obviously, that's one of the cores. Um, the four-armed aliens. Um, what are they? The ca- I forgot how you pronounce the the Kashisi uh, or Kashisi. Those uh, yeah. are one of the core races in Starfinder now, and they're a big part of Iron Gods. Um, some of the weapons from Iron Gods, like one of the best ones is the chainsaw. That was in Starfinder. My characters love love their plus one chainsaw. <laughs> that's in there, you know. So that's a great weapon. You know? So it was just some of the cooler weapons that I that my characters have come across in Iron Gods. They're they were all in Starfinder, from what I can tell when I was scanning. See, which that's, is nice. Yeah, I mean, it's proof. Paizo does a really smart job of. Hey, this works. So let's figure out how we can adapt and reuse it, rather than yes. reinventing the wheel. And um, I think that's a really smart decision by them to to look. I mean, you know, they they are constantly creating and pushing out a lot of product. Take the best from all of those and put it into a new system. I think is really smart. Yeah, I, the one thing I would say is like the whole reason we were playing Iron Gods is I mean, I, I like probably most people listening. I've been playing. D&D and Pathfinder for 30-ish years, you know, I mean every character, no matter what you're playing, you end up doing the same things, you know, like you end up getting the same cloak of resistance plus one and the same healing potions and the same plus one in your armor like you end up getting like the same things over and over again and after you've done it for so many times, it gets it's not, not fun, but it does get kind of boring, kind of rote and we have had more fun with Iron Gods than probably any other adventure path except for Age of Worms, just because it's different. You know, everything we get, and these guys have been playing as long as I have, everything's new. You know, it's like, ooh, laser pistol, what does this do? We have no idea. Grenades, what do these do? We have no idea. You know, we've never seen any of these items. And I think that's going to be a big draw. Obviously, Starfinder sold out at Gen Con in, like, what, a minute? You know, it's like... Oh, it, yeah. It, Gosh. it blew away, yeah. That... I think a lot of people, even if they play D&D, are going to like it. It's just that, okay, it's finally a similar system that I know with the similar mechanics, but it's all new to me, and I'll know what it is, but yet it's brand new. And I, you know, I can't wait to play it for real and start a campaign. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the more and more uh, I talk to, to people that are in the role-playing game community, uh, the more I hear excitement about this game and Paizo has done a nice job of sort of steadily putting out information. You know, we knew at the con that we'd get a lot more and um, definitely um, appreciate you coming and being here. I, one of the things you pointed us to that we'll stick in our show notes is um, you took a lot of really great pictures of the banquet where I, I think talking about Starfinder must seemed like was a, a big part of what happened on that night. Yeah, they. Um, that was the first time I saw the rules in color, and I will tell you, it's like everything you get from Paizo is gorgeous, and they do, you know, everyone says, oh, they've raised the bar, and I will tell you, this one just blows their best books away. You know, I think, you know, their most gorgeous books are just I, I couldn't believe how nice this book looked. You know, the layout, you can see the pictures. The layout for the pages are crisp and clear. And one of the things they did, and I was talking actually to the artists 
um, at Paizo, and they said they wanted it, you know, uh, Pathfinder has a lot of browns and sort of earth tones, yeah. and for this, they use orange and purple and bright green and bright blue, and they really wanted it to stand out and be completely different, and it does. It looks just in absolutely incredible, and I'll tell you the craziest thing of all. I mean, here's the craziest thing of all. I asked Owen, I said, when did you guys start on Starfinder, because you guys must have been doing this for a while. And he looked at me and he said, "We decided to do it six weeks before last year's PaizoCon." Oh wow! So I was like, "So you wrote the whole rules, you know, laid them all out, which in the book looks insanely gorgeous. Got all that artwork, um, you know, in just a couple of months." And they're like, "Yeah." said, well, I've done this six times. It wasn't too hard this time around. So I was like, okay, I hope so. I'm like, that's, I couldn't even believe, I thought they were working on this secret in secret for like a year. But just, you know, they just decided to throw this thing together. I mean, it doesn't look thrown together. It looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, every, every preview image, anything they've put out that I've seen is, um, it looks great. It, it's like you said, it, um, it it definitely looks different than Pathfinder and hearing you talk about the color scheme, I think that makes you realize part of how they've done that. It's um it definitely is getting the full the full court press at, at launch. I mean, the products and the steady schedule of, you know, in in August at Gen Con there's a lot of products coming out and then October and they they feel like they're gonna be in a regular pattern and rhythm. So I'm uh, I'm excited and hope that the game gets embraced enough that it could be, you know, a great entry for new people that maybe would be interested in a science fiction sort of setting, but also, you know, for long-term role players, uh, something different, you know, something to take on and play. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they said, obviously, this is, you know, not new news, that they're going a little slow, like the Adventure Path, they're coming out with every other month. The Society, instead of like two adventures a, a month, they're only coming out with one adventure a month. Um I think like, you know, I think they also don't know how much this is, you know, how well this is going to do because obviously they have to take away other resources to work on Starfinder. Yeah, sure. And, you know, that was a big talk of the con. Oh, I didn't even answer your other question. Is that on Sunday uh, morning, on Saturday night, they said they were going to ch change the delve from Pathfinder to Starfinder so everyone can play. And I remember on Sunday morning at, well, 9 a.m. in Seattle, to get into the Starfinder game, and I'm doing it on my phone, and by the time the website loaded, it was sold out. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, this is going to be pretty popular. I mean, like, I've seen things sell out fast on Gen Con. That was a record, and I, I that was by far the fastest I've ever seen something sell out. And that was the talk of the con. Everyone was talking. They couldn't believe, even the Paizo people, they couldn't believe that they knew it was going to do well. I think, you know, there's no surprise that obviously the people were crazy enough to fly all the way to Seattle to play, you know, role-playing games for a weekend. They're not the people they're worried about. Right. You know, they're worried about everyone else. And I think they were pretty excited. And we'll see, you know, if they're going to support it more, you know, whether it's going to become, you know, two adventures a month, if they're going to do the adventure path 
um, every month instead of every other month. Obviously, the better it sells, the more resources they'll put up against it from everything. But they seem pretty excited. They they then they seem genuinely surprised, which I don't know why they should have been so surprised. I guess I guess they never know and uh, sure. like what things will do. But they they were pretty excited. Well, and I think too their pace and schedule is going to leave open the door if if you are somebody who has uh, experience and wants to try you know, creating your own adventures, it, it really does open the door to potentially, you know, be able to, to put into other people's hands, some adventures and some things. Whereas I think if you try to do that right now and something like Pathfinder that has this huge back catalog, you, you're going to be hard to, to crack that, that market. But, um, you know, I know in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, something like the DMs guild where you can put your, your adventures up and, you know, charge a certain price and see how it goes. I think, I think it might be really interesting to see if something like that comes out of, um, Starfinder, especially with the way Paizo does the open license. Yeah. They, I, I didn't go into the, yeah, no one asked about the open license from, from any of the talks I was at, at least I didn't hear anything. So I'm, I'm curious, I guess this is their own system. I don't know. Is this part of open license or they just made their own system? Yeah. So uh, one of the earliest things they put up about Starfinder when they made the announcement last year at Gen Con was, um, uh, was a license. So you can go and read it and sort of it, it basically gives you permission to use their world and, and some of their concepts, but to create your own things, which, um, you know, is it, it works that kind of way in Pathfinder there, there are third party market, you know, items and that kind of thing that are out there and exist. So it, I think it'll be really curious to see, um, how they do that in particular, you know, Paizo used to do this contest where they were constantly looking for new creators to, you know, kind of maybe be a part of their process, either as freelancers or eventually staff people, and they haven't done it in a while. This might be an interesting way for them to kind of mine for new talent. You know, if somebody puts together a really good adventure, you know, it gives them an opportunity to to see that and, you know, potentially find some some new folks to help them keep making great things. Yeah, I um, I was uh, something else that, that came up during the banquet is that they did mention they didn't talk about starships too much, but they did mention that all their books would have at least one new starship and one new planet in each one. Uh, so, so obviously they're expecting this to be pretty pretty wide, uh, you know, world hopping. And they did talk about that. Is that you can get you know they talked about how when they set up Galarian that they had like okay here's like the haunted house area yeah. and here's the ancient Egypt area and here's the knights area and the demon area. They're like well we got the whole universe you know we could just do anything and we could do crazy things because it's just okay. Do you want to have this world where you know plants are you know the sentient beings and humans are I don't know dogs it's like okay there's a world for that you know you just make anything which is nice because there's a lot of freedom and that's one thing probably these rules had to be a little bit more flexible for that's what it feels it feels like the rules are just much more flexible than say pathfinder is that it's easier to make crazy things which i imagine over time we're going to see more and more craziness yeah i think you're right it really invites that in there right it gives gives people freedom to, to, you know, to, to go in completely different and wild directions. Yeah. That was the one thing, my friend who's, um, 
who's a video game developer professional he he was actually said he asked me the most interesting question he was he wanted to know about the monsters and i said really he goes yeah because that's going to make or break the system in a lot of ways it's like the character building sounds solid but you have to have really cool and interesting monsters not only for the gms but just for the players and there was really that's one thing that was missing there was no monsters in the uh rules i could see obviously they're alien is it Archive or the Alien book that's coming out, which is their monster manual? Yeah, definitely. Panel Starfinder. There was no information. And then in the Delve, we fought Space Goblins. So, yeah. yeah. It's pretty, so, pretty simple, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very simple, very simple combat. It was nothing too crazy. It was, you know, these are level one characters, um, where you were just fighting, you know, like we had grenades that exploded. We had a cannon, which was long range we had uh short range combat some healing there was some magic missile in there by some of the people you know but again it's like those are things you know about so that's one thing that was definitely missing from everything was the monsters and how they work and that was actually i'm still curious about yeah i I do think uh, i've heard so um as we record it's the early part of june on the 17th of june it's a free role-playing game day and I'm, the rumor is the product that they're releasing that you'll be able to go and pick up at participating game shops has some, maybe not a ton, but definitely has more than just space goblins in, uh, in the, what they're handing out. So I'm curious to see, um, is that will be the first wave of kind of new creatures, what, what everybody will think about that. Yeah, I'm not too worried. I mean, the Bestiary 6 yeah. is just absolutely insane. I mean, that was for some of the most creative monsters I've ever read in my life. I'm not too worried about them coming up with good monsters. No, yeah, definitely. If anything, they're going to probably be free to do things they've never been able to do because it's like, oh, we're in outer space. We could do crazy, crazy things. Um, and they did talk about weightlessness and flying is kind of a big part of the game, too. Okay. Which I can see that kind of being a nightmare, too. But <laughs> but yeah. we'll see. They said, you know, level one, you can do, you can have flying, um, you know, because it's, it is the future. So they didn't really get into that. None of our creatures, at least the ones I ran, didn't have flying. The goblins didn't fly. There were flying robots, but they were just, you know, hovering and we were just shooting them down. So it was nothing crazy. Nothing too complex, huh? Yeah. Oh, one other thing I would mention, um, Owen did mention a big part of the game design was that there would be no must-have feats that they were very careful to make sure that if you played a rogue class, you didn't have to get weapon finesse and go down the dex path, that they were very careful to make sure that that just, just did not exist in this system, okay. that you had a lot of flexibility. And he was pretty adamant about that, that they felt that they, they accomplished that. I mean, we'll see, but I hope so, because that's sort of like the holy grail role-playing games where you can just build anything and it's viable because as many people know it's very easy to break your character you know in in any role-playing game so we'll see if they really did it or not yeah definitely that that can be true well hey man thank you so much for coming on and um and sharing everything you experienced at PaizoCon. i know for us on the our site we we all have sort of blocked off those days for next year we definitely want to go and kind of experience and be a part of it um so one of the questions we always ask our guests at the end is that uh, we would love to hear, like, what is something you're nerding out about other than Starfinder? 
Oh, really? Yeah. Um, nerding out about, wow. I play like an infinite number of video games. Um, believe it or not, I'm trying to learn Fantasy Grounds. Okay. Because we play all of our games by remote because my players, you know, these same people I've been playing with forever. We used to play in New York City. Now we play in Pittsburgh, Ohio, California, Arizona, yeah. and New Jersey. So I usually use D20 Pro. Um, but I now that Pathfinder has the license for Fantasy Grounds, I've been learning it and slowly, oh so slowly, moving over my campaign into Fantasy Grounds. It is pathetic how much work us DMs do for a hobby. <laughs> it, it's kind of sad, I think, about it. So I'm like, wow, I'm spending so much time entering in data on spells for my characters. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. No, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I DM every week, and I, it's amazing to me if how much time I can put into one week of prepping and getting everything ready to go. So, yeah, it's, it's fun though. I mean, that's why I think you're a DM. If you're a DM, you like, you like that part. Like that's my favorite part. I actually played a player at Gen Con, I'm sorry, at PaizoCon, which I haven't done in a long time. And it's, it was okay, but you know, it's like, wow, I got one character and that's it. It feels so <laughs> easy. Um, I like to control, you know, five NPCs and monsters and, you know, have everyone yelling and fighting and doing craziness and being in the center of it all, you know, like when you're kind of just by yourself. It's, 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 it's very interesting. There's players and there's GMs and I'm definitely the GM type. So. Well, cool. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the, uh, the drift and helping us sort to get a little bit more insight into Starfinders, we move closer and closer to that August Gen Con release. Yep, and I'll be there DMing Starfinder, by the way. Uh, if anyone gets the early morning uh, session, I'll be there. Very cool, very Mike. cool. Well, thanks right. so much, Stephen. Sure. You've been listening to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast presented by Nerds on Earth. Our theme music is a product of our audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can learn more about his work at danielsonsound.com. Thanks again to Steve Glicker for joining us and talking to us about Starfinder and PaizoCon. You can follow Steve on all the major social media feeds at at GamingSteve. Next time, we're going to get an update on all the current Starfinder news, including the content that Paizo is sharing on Free RPG Day on June 17th.